This summer, you need clothes that you can wear anywhere. For that, look to American Giant t-shirts, shorts, jeans, and sweatshirts. American Giant makes everything in the USA. So when you buy, you create jobs and improve local communities all across the country. Shop summertime closet staples at American-Giant.com. And get 20% off your order when you use code WA23 at checkout. That's 20% off at American-Giant.com with promo code WA23. USAID helped build Kabul Cricket Stadium. They brought in cricket gear for schools and cricket clubs, constructed pitches throughout the country, helped training and supported the Salam Watanda radio network's attempts to broadcast Afghanistan away games. According to reports, from 2010 until 2014, two USAID programs spent about $2.2 million on cricket. Hillary Clinton mentioned the Afghan men's cricket team in her speeches. The Americans knew that cricket was important to gaining support inside of Afghanistan. And it wasn't just the Americans either. The Indian and German governments also invested heavily in Afghan cricket. The problem for Archie and his friends was the money never made it to Marawara. This is a new season of Double Century on a cricketer who never became professional. Mohibola Achawal is his name, but he prefers to be called Archie. We don't know how talented he was, but he could certainly play the game. But instead of representing Afghanistan, he fought for his life, his country and his freedom. This is the story of the Shahid Afridi of Kansas. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that you can stay close to your team even if you don't live in their town. Like, maybe you're a raven who married a Seahawk who got a job in the land of the Falcons. With NFL Sunday Ticket, you can watch your team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games no matter where you live. Because you shouldn't have to change teams, even if you change towns. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Archie wanted to build a proper cricket ground in Marwara. He started junior leagues. He brought prominent U.S. Army officials to the ground. He tried to convince the governor of Kunar to help out. But no one would give him that much money for it. Archie had once hoped cricket was his way out. But instead of receiving trophies, he now handed them out to the next generation, hoping that they would get their chance. After three years with the 82nd Airborne, he was upgraded to the Marines. At times, he also took up contracts with the Italian and Georgian armies. All of this came with a bigger wage. Archie wasn't a gambler, he didn't smoke hashish, and as a devout Muslim, he didn't drink. Cricket was his vice. And once he set aside enough money to play cricket, help pay for equipment, tractor rental and ground costs, most of his money went to his family. Some went to Farman, but the bulk of his salary went to his parents. And they used his money to build themselves a new house. While his father was a good provider, the sort of money that Archie was earning, about a thousand US dollars a month, made them quite wealthy in their village. And they were able to build a house far better than they ever could on a normal Afghan wage. They were very proud of their new home, and Archie was proud that he could give it to them. People had always said Archie would go far, but by just serving his country, as his father, uncles, and grandfather had done, he had managed to make his family's life better. However, being in the Marines also put him into the thick of trouble. Like in June of 2012, when he stood in smoke and dirt with blood in the air, Archie was bleeding. But he can also see that his fellow soldier, a medic, is in much worse condition. He dragged him around a building, knowing that he only had a few seconds. Because the IED that had just exploded and put them in this situation was only ever the beginning. Quite soon after, the bullets would start flying. 
The medic was screaming in pain and Archie was shooting back at shadows. He radioed the squad to tell them that they are both okay and for them to find whoever is shooting at them. He also calls the Afghan police to get them to bring the truck because the Marines' RMV won't fit in the streets and there is nowhere for a helicopter to land. The police station is one mile away, but Archie knows it's probably a deadly mile. When the police truck arrives, Archie thinks about jumping in it with a medic, but instead he stays outside to fight with the rest of the squad who have now arrived. Somehow the medic and Archie survive this. Back at the station, Archie sits down, takes a breath, and asks if he can go to the hospital now. It turns out that he has a broken leg, and when they cut away his trousers, they could see a little bit of the bone. The medic will lose an ear and much of his eyesight. When I was doing fact-checking for this story, I talked to some of the people that Archie fought with, including a man called Nate Boosking, who had served with Archie, and I asked him about the time when Archie got injured by the IED. His response to that question was, which one? When I asked him about Archie as a man, he said, He wasn't my translator. He was my soldier. He was my brother. But there was always a difference between Archie and Boosking. After the war, Boosking could leave. He could go home and have a normal life. Archie had nowhere to go. And it was because of that that he kept putting himself in harm's way. Archie was trying to kill himself. But he couldn't actually do it himself. That was a coward's way out. He was determined to die on the battlefield, like his ancestors before him. He was very clear to me over and over again. He wasn't trying to be a hero. He was trying to be a coward. When Archie was asked to play cricket, he never said no. So when a new side asked him to play in an invitational friendly, he turned up in his blue Afghan Tigers kit and cap. The bowler told Archie to put a helmet on. Archie laughed at him. The first ball came straight at his face. And Archie's arrogance, in his own words, had made him slow. And at the last moment, he fell over backwards, just saving his face by less than an inch. The next ball, he slashed very hard, in true Shahid Afridi style. The bowler was Miwas Ashraf. You may remember the name, because he was the first Afghanistani cricketer to take a wicket in the World Cup. And we don't have a lot of proof of how good a cricketer Archie was. But we do know this. He believed he was as good as Ashraf, maybe better. Now, he could be wrong. But he also believes he got pretty close to selection. And then he was asked to pay the selectors for a game. When he told them he didn't have that much money, he says he was told to take it from the Americans. In his mind, he felt cricket had the same corruption he had always known. So he never paid and he never played. And of course, maybe he just wasn't good enough. Perhaps it was just arrogance to think that he would go on to play for the national team one day. Athletes are rarely the best judges on how far their talent can take them. On the other hand, there is no way that he had prepared properly for that game. He was coming in from active duty over and over again. And he was going up against someone who would take wickets in a World Cup. It is possible that he could have played for Afghanistan or even just beneath that and made a career as a cricketer. When Afghanistan play cricket now, the whole country supports them. It is still obviously a divided country in many ways, and they still have little to celebrate, especially with the Taliban coming back in. But people love the fact that the Afghanistani cricket team do so well. They bring joy to millions, but Archie doesn't support them, partly because he never got a chance to play with them. In July of 2013, Archie came back to Marawara for a few days. It took him two days of travel, and that night he stayed up late in a house of a friend who was having a party. Archie was exhausted, and he slept in the next morning. Farman arrived before school, waking Archie and asking for some pocket money. Archie gave it to him, and then it started drifting back to sleep when he heard, boom. 
instantly Archie knew that something had exploded. He thought, or at least hoped, the bomb has gone off at a house of his neighbour, or the local policeman. Then he had an empty feeling coming over him. He hadn't searched the house in the morning for IEDs. He hoped that someone else had done it. And he raced to the front of the house that his money had paid for, and there was a hole in it. And it was a hole meant for him. Archie staggered barefoot through the wreckage. The whole village ran over to where the smoke was still thick. He got down on his hands and knees, looking for something, anything. All he could find was a finger. He couldn't find anything else of Farman. There were no tears from Archie, even though his 10-year-old cousin, his friend, his confidant, had passed away. At this point, he was a soldier with a death wish. He was prepared to die. But he wasn't prepared for someone like Farman to die because of him. The funeral was two hours later. Usually it would take longer. They would announce it so that everyone could come and pay their respects. This time they decided not to. The deceased would usually be bathed and placed on display. But there was nothing really left to wash or display a Farman. The box was virtually empty. Still, people sat around and chanted rhythmically. No one told Archie that it was his fault. But they stared at him. And he knew. In Marawara, they have a special area in their cemetery for people who die under the age of 30. Since 2003, so many people would end up there. Archie will never forget Farman. He even started a small cricket tournament in his name. But the Taliban weren't just killing his family, they were killing everyone's family. Thanks for listening to Double Century. This podcast was made entirely possible by our supporters at Patreon. You can find the link in the show notes. Double Century is a podcast narrated, produced, and co-written by me, Jared Kimber. Abhishek Mukherjee is the main writer, and Nick McCorriston edits, mixes, and co-produces the show. Sports Social Podcast Network.